Welcome back to the Health Call Radio Hour. If you've got a question, you don't have to give blood to get the answer. Just drop us a line on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. That's healthcall.live. Or message us on the Health Call Facebook page. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. All right. Well, now that you're caught up on the news and weather, let's shift our focus to your amazing human brain. And one of the most amazing things about our brain is what it can store and remember. What is a memory? Where are they stored? How are they formed? And why is it you can remember some things but struggle so hard to remember others? At the Cedars-Sinai Hospital in California, Dr. Yuli Rutitzhauser studies this and more. He's a professor of neurosurgery, neurology, and biomedical sciences. And while patients are undergoing treatment for epilepsy or Parkinson's disease, he's been able to insert probes and watch neurons react as these volunteers are shown new images. He's learned that memories start out as electrical impulses, but your amazing brain actually modifies proteins in the synapses to store them for the long term. He says new experiences are most likely to be stored as a memory, and especially when they're filled with emotional energy. So very much so, if, if, an, if an experience is, is uh, more intense, it's more likely to be stored for the long term in, in, in a memory. So there, there are many factors that uh, determine whether a memory will stick or not, and whether it will be vivid or not, or it will be detailed. And one of them is, as you point out, uh, uh, emotional intensity, absolutely. Although not too intense, because it's, uh, as, you, as you may have experienced yourself, some memories, um, uh, some experiences you may not remember at all if they were very uh, intense or maybe traumatic. Yeah, so your brain is trying to, I, I'm assuming that what's happening there is it's trying to protect us from reliving that trauma. Yeah, so it turns out that there are some experiences that 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 we don't remember, and and we think that one of the reasons for that is because at the time that experience happened, uh, there were simply more important things to do than to make a memory. Okay, I get it. I'm I'm running away from the tiger, and and that's more important than than remembering uh, where I was when the tiger. Uh, exactly, yeah. that's really secondary at that time from yeah. an evolutionary point of view. Yeah, I get it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, if I what goes wrong when we can't remember something? Yeah, so there's two fundamental reasons why you may not remember something. One, the first is it may not have been stored to begin with. So the memory was never made, and one, one of one of there are many reasons for that. But one of the main reasons that we know about is that uh, the name the brain has what's called a novelty gate. So if something is perceived as being new, novel, then um, we haven't seen it before. So then we should remember it. But if perhaps by mistake uh, we already thinks we already know something when we actually don't then it's less likely a memory will be formed because we think we already know it hmm. um, uh, so that's what's called an encoding error it's not encoded and then the other principal reason of why you may not be able to um, retrieve a memory or have a memory is it was encoded but you're not able to find it or retrieve it and that's points to the fact that our memory is organized in what's called associative. We, all, we link things to each other, 
So we can remember if I ask you, well, hey, what did you eat for breakfast last Sunday? You may think, well, okay, I don't know, but okay, where was I and who was I meeting? And you can sort of jump the links and ultimately mm -hmm. you may get to it or you, you may not. Um, but it's often possible for us to declare accurately that a memory exists, but we are not able to get there at the moment because it requires this sort of elaborate search to get to it. So that newness factor might explain why memories associated with travel and trips and going different places are often a little more easy to recall. Absolutely, yes. So, so one of the strongest modulator of uh, memory formation is indeed novelty. So if you go uh, some place where everything is new and you have never seen it, uh, you will make more memories and, and stronger memories. That's very much true. And that, that will also very strongly influence your perception of time. Because one way by which we perceive time is, is by how much new happens. Oh, that's interesting. So if I want to put myself in a state of high memory capture, if I'm trying to learn something new, studying for a test or something of that nature, can I, can I apply that ability somehow? What does that tell me about creating more durable memories? Yes, so you will definitely, if, if you have, it, it often helps to, when you study something, to, to not just restudy exactly the same thing, uh, because I would already be familiar, it would be strengthening existing memories, but somehow to create new memories by adding something new about it, to looking at the same situation from a new point of view, let's say, or from a new case, or by adding some new information, and that, that will that will re-enable the brain to, to, to form memories, or perhaps do it in a novel context. Yeah, so does that mean going someplace new to study, does that help or it doesn't work that way? It's the content of the information I'm trying to retain that has to be new, not the environment in which I studied it. No, environmental novelty is, is also very effective, although you're, you're um, then counterbalancing with another effect, which is um, it is often easier to retrieve a memory in the same context in which you first experienced it. Hmm. Um, so there are, there are reliable effects such as when, when you study for a test in a, in a given room, uh, or just as there are many memory, memory experiments, they're, they're so-called the doorway effect, and you move the subject to another room and uh, we will have them retrieve the information and they will do worse because the context changed. Oh. Um, so it's it's uh, there. There are many different effects here. So context changes are not they. They make stronger memories, but they may also make it harder to retrieve. So let me take a leap here. If if I am concerned about memory loss and and I feel like my memory is slipping, is it help for me to seek out new experiences and get lots of new stimulation? Is that going to help me recover all memories or only those that are recently formed in that new environment? I would say in general, that's highly beneficial because we know novelty has a strong effect on the brain, also in terms of emotion, in terms of arousal. Novelty leads to release of, of, uh, of dopamine, uh, which, is, which modulates or strengthens neuroplasticity. So in general, I think that would be very helpful in such a situation because it will, it will engage your memory system, it will provide new experiences, which will result uh, in new memory, and that strictly seen will only affect those new memories that, that you are creating. But I think the overall arousal that, that it will provide is, 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 is gonna be 
very helpful. I would definitely recommend that. Okay, so then let's flip that around. Is Does that help explain why we see the elderly decline at accelerated pace once they're in a a nursing home or memory care center where it always looks the same, everything's the same, it's routine, does that, that degrades our ability to remember? I would say so, yes. In fact, there are good studies that show that that we can build up a cognitive reserve and, and remaining cognitively challenged and active and perhaps uncomfortable sometimes uh, really helps healthy aging. And if something is always the same every day, we don't do anything new, we are not challenged, um, that's detrimental for brain health. There's no doubt about it. There's The brain is it's not a muscle, but you can view it as a muscle. If, if you don't use it and challenge it, it will, it will, it will degrade. Uh, so I would think that's really highly detrimental, yes. Well, so there you have Dr. Yuli Rudishauser's permission to go someplace different, try something new, seek out new experiences as we age, all to keep our memory muscle working. When we come back, let's explore some common questions about memory. For example, why can you sing along to a song you haven't heard in years but you can't remember the phone number or address without jotting it down. Yeah, I know it happens to you too, and we'll explore why. Coming up next here on the Health Call Radio Hour. This is the Health Call Radio Hour, where treatments are always free, the stethoscope is never cold, and you don't have to wear an exam gown. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Welcome back to our look at the science of memory with noted researcher Yuli Rudishauser from Cedars-Sinai in the Rudishauser Lab. That's where he studies how memories are formed down at the cellular level. Earlier, we learned that memories typically begin as electrical impulses, and then some of them your brain considers worthy of preserving for long term, and it actually modifies proteins in the synapses to make them durable. There's a detailed discussion of all the science of this in the video version of our interview. You'll find it on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. But let's jump into some everyday questions about memory that are just a lot more fun. People try many things to improve their memory, but so far no magic bullet, no supplement or vitamin has been proven to help your brain ward off the age-related memory decline so many of us have. Some people seem blessed with the ability to remember even the smallest details of their lives, while the rest of us struggle to remember simple things. Dr. Rudishauser says it drives him crazy, too. Uh, yes, it does. So that's a very interesting question. So the short-term memories are memories such as, you know, I'm telling you a phone number and, and you walk downstairs to dial it and sometimes you arrive and you're like, <laughs> yeah, what? Why did I go downstairs? I really want to remember this. I'm going to remember this number. I'm really going to remember this. And then you don't, right? I mean, exactly. So it's, it's hard, you're pointing out it's, it's really effortful to keep a short-term memory. And the reason for that is because short-term memories are not based on physical changes in the brain. They are based on ongoing electrical activity. 
And it's very easy to disrupt that activity or to, to, to let it die down and then, it, then it's gone. Whereas as we discussed, the short, uh, long-term memories, they're based on physical changes. So the question is which of these uh, activity patterns that are going on during short-term memory actually make it uh, into a long-term memory. And very few do. For example, you probably remember from, you have probably stayed in many hotels in your life, mm -hmm. but I don't think you remember which room you stayed in um, for many of those days. Uh, but yeah. while you were there, you remember that, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in uh, 220 or whatever, exactly, yeah. Uh, exactly, but then once you're gone, it's basically, the, no, no, it doesn't stick in memory. So, so, so how we prioritize things that, that um, make it into long-term memory is, is, a, is, a, is a fascinating um, question. And, and one, yeah, one of them is, is um, whether it's linked to a prior relevant memory. Uh, relevance to our life and yeah, novelty also. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it was high, like if, if that room was extremely unusual, you may remember that number, right? Or if something special happened there. Mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise, probably not. So, what is the connection between smell and memory? I, I, you know, you hear people say that that smells trigger a memory so powerfully. What what happens there? Yeah, so smells, just like any other senses, they can be associated with memory. So they can be one of the, the links that allows you to reach one of the memories. So um, smells, uh, there's two main reasons why smells are, are so powerful. One of which is uh, when this happens, usually the smell is novel. It's something you've never smelled before, like it's some kind of unusual smell. So it's novel, it triggers the novelty system. And the other is that the sense of smell has 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 prioritized access to the brain. It's the only sense um, uh, which reaches the the, the cortex, the, the the most high level area of our brain, the neocortex, directly it bypasses one of the relay stations, which is called the thalamus. Uh, and uh, the other senses, vision, audition, touch, they have to go through that additional. Um, relay station. So it's thought that the reason for that is because the the smell is the sort of the most archaic um, sense, the earliest in, in evolutionary times. So that leads me to um, some questions that are apparently very popular. I did some research and uh, studied what are the most frequently asked questions about memory. And one of those kind of uh, ties back into what you just described there. So people are asking, uh, there was the movie Total Recall, where uh, there were memories implanted in various actors, uh, and you had an experience as if it was real. So is, is the ability to insert those proteins or somehow stimulate them to create that protein, is that even possible? Is that something we might see in the future? Not, not any, any, not anytime soon. Um, I mean, conceptually, in principle, we could certainly imagine doing that. Um, but at the moment, we don't know the answer to some very simple questions. For example, the first time I saw you today, when you popped up on my screen, mm -hmm. how many of my synapses changed, uh, and where are those? 
we don't know the answer to that question. Was it, you know, five? Was it a million? Was it a billion? So to implant the memory, we would really have to um, uh, redo that process, right? That happened in my brain when you popped up on my screen. So that the basic biology of, 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 of which synapses are modified to create a certain memory uh, really isn't, it doesn't exist. Principle, we could imagine doing that. In practice, we would have no idea how to do it. Understood. Well, I guess that's that's kind of good to know, actually, that <laughs> yes. that type of brain control is not yet possible. What uh, Another one of these highly popular questions is, why is it that I can sing along with this song that I haven't heard in years? Yes, that's really a, 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 a very common experience. And it, this is similar to the experience of if you learn to ride a bike, let's say, or swim as a kid, and then you don't do it for 20 years, you can still ride the bike and mm -hmm. swim. Mm -hmm. um, so it just points to the fact that uh, such memories, these are called procedural memories, so sort of detailed motor memories, sequences of, of motor movements. Uh, once they are formed, they are lifelong. They will, they will never disappear. And you may not know that they exist. It's not a, what's called a declarative memory. You can't talk about it. But once, once those sequences get triggered, they are there. They are lifelong memories and they are, they are very strong. Fascinating. Uh, and the last of these uh, highly popular questions is, why is it that dreams are so vivid and yet so difficult to remember? Yeah, that's an excellent question, and it points to what we discussed earlier, which is the hippocampus. Uh, one of the remarkable things is that the hippocampus is, 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 is inactive in the sense that it's not forming new memories, and that's why you don't remember it. Um, there, there can be other uh, situations uh, like this also in real life. If for some reason the hippocampus is temporarily not making new memories, and that's the case while you dream, um, then you will, it could be very vivid, but you will not remember it as, for example, during a traumatic event. It may have been super vivid, but it will not form a memory. So, and that's deliberate because you probably don't want to remember all of those dreams. Yeah, well, he's probably right about that. Dr. Yuli Rudishauser has an impressive resume as a memory researcher, and I'll link to it in the show notes for today's broadcast. And you can see it out on the Health Call website, healthcall.wait a minute. Let's put your memory to the test. I mentioned that address earlier. Can you remember it? It was about seven minutes ago. I mentioned it. You've probably forgotten it already. It's healthcall.live, by the way. Hey, while you're out there, use the contact form to shoot me a message and share your earliest memory. It'll be fascinating to see what comes in and what people can remember from so long ago. Memory is one of the most important skills in our human brain, one we all struggle to master, and it might be the one that I fear losing the most. So that's one reason I deeply appreciate you listening to this program, because it gives me an opportunity to keep learning new things and exercising the most important three pounds in the human body, that wrinkled gray stuff up there between our ears. I hope you heard something that sticks in your memory and that you'll come back next week for another edition of the Health Call Radio Hour. You've been listening to the Health Call Radio Hour. The discussion of conditions and treatments on this program is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment by a healthcare professional who knows you and your health needs. 
Find the podcast of today's episode wherever you get your podcasts or watch extended video versions of today's interviews on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. While you're there, drop us a line to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future broadcast. Join us each week on this station for another edition of the Health Call Radio Hour. Podcasts by Federated Media.